Welcome to Under Construction, the show where we talk about Charlotte sports and culture. I have Jamal here, Vince here, and I'm Kaiser and filling in for Rodney, who is out living his best life. In the A's. Right? Always <laughs> living his best life. On vacation. So the first thing we're going to talk about, we're going to go right to our segment called The 10th Pick. Uh, and we're going to talk about a historical event that happened in Charlotte sports history. Yes, we sir. had our sixth Charlotte Hornet to ever make an all-NBA team. That's Kimber Walker. He made the third team. However, it wasn't all well-received <laughs> by course. Hornets fans of, because... Of course. Well, what, what a shock there. <laughs> because Kimball Walker is now eligible to receive what is called the Supermax deal from the Charlotte Hornets, meaning that he could make up to $220 million, $221 million Let me hold some, man. over five <laughs> years. That would put him about $44 million a year. So what are your thoughts on that? What are some of the implications and what should the Hornets do? Um, you uh, you already kind of said what we thought a few weeks ago. There, there is no, <laughs> there is no, no discussion. There's no, you pay the man. It's, it's that simple. You, boop, boop, boop. That's the, that's the brakes truck backing up. Like, you're like, the truck is out there. Michael's like, hey, hey, guys, look, come come back. You got, got, got a little more room. You know what I mean? Um, You, you pay the man. Because the thing is, like, if you, like, take away, let's not even talk about basketball reasons for a second, okay? Let's not even talk about on the court stuff. Let's talk about ethics. It is not ethical to not pay Kimber Walker. You don't give money to Nick Batum, <laughs> Cody Zeller, Marvin Williams, MKG, and then say, well, uh, Kimber, we're gonna let you go, man. That is just not, that is just not. Look, if you, if, if they, if the brass of the Hornets were to do something like that, what kind of message does that send to any potential free agent who ever might want to come Absolutely, here? Absolutely, yeah. Nobody thinks about that part of it. Now, the whole narrative of, oh man, you screwed if you do, you screwed if you don't. I'm I'm on the side of you're more screwed if you don't, cause I don't know about anybody else. I don't want to be the Phoenix Suns. I I I it, that doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't excite me. You need to blow it over, man. You need to blow. Uh, you need to just blow it up, man, and start over. Blah. blah, blah. Vince is the tanking expert. Has put it time and time again. It, it this the stats don't lie. Tanking just doesn't work don't most care. of the time. And please. Oh, the Sixers, the Sixers, the Sixers. It's one out of how many real, times, Real man? quick point on the Sixers. Seven first-round draft picks in five years. Right. Four of those in the top three. And what do they have to show for it? Ben Simmons, who cannot shoot. And who, Joel who, Embiid. Who, who, who may is, be going. <laughs> and Joel Embiid, who has actually played less games than Cody Zeller in that same amount of time. That's kind of ridiculous. Oh, but that's, that's, yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Wow. That, that's a nugget. Isn't that that's crazy? Nugget. Wow. Uh, so uh, that's what you get for tanking. And you get knocked out in the second round of the playoffs anyway. Right. So And you, well, get, and you get Kawhi laughing at you, which is <laughs> hilarious. Now, uh, first off, uh, congratulations to Kimmel for making all NBA. Yes, congratulations. Congratulations. Somebody, somebody yeah. Got congratulations. Yeah, definitely congratulations. Um, I have no no calls about it. Uh, my biggest thing that I wanted to talk about was Clay Thompson. Because when Clay Thompson found out that he didn't make the All NBA team, if you look at the interview, like he rolled his eyes when like his eyes came with like that <laughs> when kid. The like, back like, of his like, like, when they mentioned Kimber, <laughs> and a, a, a lot of a lot of fuss has been made about that, especially in the Hornets fan base. Me personally, I didn't take it as as Clay was throwing shade at, at Kimber. He was, I think, he was more so upset that he didn't make it because of his body of work right. and. 
And a lot of people have pointed to the fact that Clay Thompson, he's had a down year, mm -hmm. um, statistically speaking. But even in his down year, he still shot 40% from the three. He still had a pretty doggone good season. Now, if you want to look at guards, if you want to throw Clay in there and take a guard, personally, I don't think Kyrie should have made All NBA. He made second I team. I, he should certainly shouldn't have made second team. I I don't think he. And, oh, and you know what? I'm I'm actually jumping all over. Let me play. Let me let me put on the conspiracy hat. <laughs> Matter of fact, let me let me put on the conspiracy hat. Right quick, okay. How about this? You know how we believe that the NBA has it out for Charlotte because they still hate Jordan right. from his playing days, right? Right. How about this? The NBA really didn't want Kemba Walker to make All NBA. But they gave him all NBA to put Charlotte in this financial position because they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. And no matter what happens, we're still going to be stuck in perpetual mediocrity right. at least for the next two or three years, in which case Kimmel will actually be on the back end of that contract and we'll be talking about an overpaid Kemba Walker, possibly. All right, I'm going to poke a hole in that theory. Not not to say that it's unfounded in any way, shape, or form, but I'm going to poke a hole in that theory. The one thing I would kind of argue against is that the NBA, because we know the national media, the journalists, TV, everybody would prefer to see Kemba Walker play in a bigger market. So all, that, all the people who voted for that, more than likely in their best interests, wouldn't want to put Kim Walker on that on any All NBA team because that means he he wouldn't have to get the supermax. More teams could pay him under the supermax. The the one hundred what seventy? 100, uh, actually, one hundred forty one million. One hundred forty one million yeah. as opposed to what he could get now. So I'll poke a hole in that theory. Another, you know, a, a, another thing that I want to get at that I do want to discuss as far as uh, Kyrie Irving being on the second team. These All-NBA awards are for that particular year. They are not legacy awards. You get what yes, I'm saying? Yes, And I truly believe Kyrie made it based off his work previous to this season. And I that agree. is not mm – -hmm. that's, that's just not the way it's supposed I to agree. work. And I think that might be why Klay Thompson had some beef with not being a selection. Right, Because right. other players were getting in just – because of who they were, right. yeah, 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 and right. he and he did not, and he did make it a point to mention that you know he's going to his fifth straight NBA yeah. final. So look at my body of work, right. and so yeah, I but get, and then but the, again that that doesn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah. Now, now with that being said, I would put Clay on one of those teams before I would put Kyrie on. Agreed. Even Same. this year, even yeah. in a yeah. down year, I would have done that. Yeah, I felt like Kyrie Irving destroyed a potentially great. I believe that. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because he he wanted to be that guy, the and then guy. he found out he's not built. Which is always the argument in the Hornets group about Kyrie versus Kemba. Right. Kyrie can't be that guy. I understand he he came up clutch in the 2016 Finals, but if honestly they don't win that without LeBron. Let's be let's yeah, be yeah, honest. Yeah, they yeah, don't. Yeah. They're not even there without LeBron. Right. And there's a James. there's a there's a saying that I think fits Kyrie perfectly. You got what you wanted, mm -hmm. but you lost what you had. Yep, absolutely. And yep. I absolutely. think that fits him perfectly. Because let, let I mean, not we're not going to spend all day talking about <laughs> the Celtics. No. But if you look at that roster, and you only get that <laughs> yeah. out of that roster, 
So and they good. made the ECF without you? Without, without you? him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, real quick, real quick. I know we t- we typically don't speak basketball on a bigger scale, but after what happened last night, I think we kind of have to go into this oh, conversation. Yeah, sure, sure. That's true, yeah. So the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals just ended last night. Uh, we now have our finals matchup set. So real quick, let's, let's dive into this. What are your guys' thoughts on the NBA Finals? What are your guys' thoughts on, on, on Toronto making it? You know, DeMar DeRozan, the Spurs, Skill, all of that. Skill. Yeah, Skill going to be skill. 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 I cannot wait this one. Now, now Skill posted on his, on his Twitter last night after they made Did you Did you see it? I, I, yeah, I followed Yo, li- listen, let me tell you something. There's a lot of things in life that I don't like, mm-hmm. but it is impossible for me to achieve the level of hate yeah. that I saw in that minute-long video from Skill Bangers. <laughs> that dude is salty, <laughs> and, man. I mean, can I just, I, I, I've got friends that are Spurs fans, like real Spurs fans, and they don't feel the same way about Kawhi. They they feel like the Spurs organization messed up by allowing him to leave right. and then by catering to Popovich. And a lot of them feel like Greg Popovich is kind of overrated because yeah. you look at the players that he's – you know, been able to co- oh, yeah, well, he's been right. able to coach. You know, right, Tim right. Duncan, Manu Deloe, Tony Parker. I mean, he's had he's got five Hall of Famers he's coached over the last yeah. uh, twenty years. So um, for Skip to feel that way, I just and, and a lot of times I ask myself if he's basically doing it for the bond because because you know with him being up with with the TV show. Um, but I think that's but still, pretty obvious <laughs> to be to be a grown man to be a grown man and and. and when you go look at it, Jamal, because I know you tend to get a little bit more emotional than we do, <laughs> but when you go look at it, he pretty much attacked Kawhi's character. And, See, and that was where I had That's not even a line I crossed. Yeah, we that know what I'm was, saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> He didn't even keep it basketball. He attacked his character. But we, we, we're talking about a guy who says things for shock value. Yeah, and it's yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. obvious yeah. he does at this point, which is... Him and Stephen A. created the, the sports hot take culture. Right. So yeah, the, right. this doesn't surprise me. Right, right. And then, uh, which allowed... Facebook fans right, that right. follow suit and come <laughs> yeah. up with their own hot yeah, takes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, another yeah. that's another story for another day. Yeah, but but, far, yeah, thoughts on the finals and all that. Yeah. Uh far as the series goes, everybody's counting the Raptors out. I mean, understandable. They're playing the U at Team USA. I, it's understandable. <laughs> However, I give them two games. I, okay. I say I say four two <laughs> because Golden State falls asleep sometimes, man, and, and that's pretty much it. Um, I don't think Kevin Durant is going to play in the finals. I think they, I think that injury is way more serious than than what they're leading leading on. Um, with that being said, that ball moves better. That the chemistry is a little better. If they keep that up, they won't need that closer. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like like Kevin Durant is is the closer when right. when the situation warrants it. But in this case, I don't think they'll need it as much. But I think the Raptors eke out two games. I, I agree. Uh, think 4-2 Warriors is is what it's going to be. I think we are seeing something we've never seen in the last four seasons, and that is a fully healthy playoff Steph Curry. Yeah. Every year, mm-hmm. Steph Curry has had some kind of lower body injury normally to his ankles yeah. or his hamstring or something, and then we get uh, like a slightly less effective version of him, right. and then there's this, <clears throat> this narrative, which I don't believe is true, that Steph Curry – Dwindle or you know, he like kind of dwindles in the spotlight, you know, in the in the, on the biggest stage. You forget he, he averaged 25 points a game in that first NBA final series, which I believe he should have got MVP over Andre Iguodala, right? And last, uh, uh, yeah, 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 and then last season, 27 points a game and almost averaged a triple double. 
lest we forget, people wanted to give LeBron James the MVP in for losing. almost in average in a losing yeah. effort. Yeah. But yet with Steph Curry, it's like, eh. So now we see a healthy Steph Curry. What he's doing right now in the playoffs is, I, I, I'm so, who who's going to guard him from the right? You're gonna really going to yeah, take yeah, Kawhi yeah. Leonard and be like, okay, guard Steph Curry. And then now you got to worry about Klay yeah, Thompson. And, right. and um, right. here's the deal. A lot of people don't realize Toronto actually has home court advantage. Yeah, they're better. They have home court advantage. So, with that being said, with them having home court advantage and with the Warriors basically having two weeks off, I think you're going to see a perfect situation of uh, rust versus uh, rest. And I think think Toronto takes game one very convincingly. And then I think the Warriors are celebrating on their home court in game five. I I can see that. One 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 thing I want to add: very, very, very intriguing matchup in my opinion: Siakam versus Draymond Green. I that that matchup just intrigues me. And I was going to ask, what storyline are you guys looking forward to the most? Um, if I had if I had to say a storyline, and this is kind of like if it happens, because I don't I don't know if it will happen, but if. The Raptors even pushed them to Game Seven, and Kawhi yeah, yeah, Leonard yeah. is being Kawhi Leonard. You got to start putting him. You got to start elevating him to that to that to that first to that first tier status. Yeah. You got to it, it got to be it got to start being LeBron. You, you got to start having them conversations. You got to start having those yeah. conversations because okay. that, that's MJ like stuff. Yeah, if he messes around and, and makes this, at least and he's, a close he's averaging thirty plus. Throughout these playoffs, too, right. so. he's averaging in uh, against the two games against the Warriors this season, he averaged thirty-seven points a game. So, and uh, that should be. And I think they went two and zero during the regular season too. Versus they went two and zero. Well, actually, yeah. Kawhi didn't play it in one game actually. Okay. Uh, so, um, but Kevin Durant didn't play in one game either. You know, regular season. Yeah, I agree. Season. Yeah, uh, I think the storyline to follow is going to be Steph Curry. Yeah, and Steph Curry and. Clay Thompson because so now we get to see we're gonna get to see we get angry Clay Thompson yeah because yeah, yeah. because the <laughs> right. narrative is that and th- and this is something that I, I I agree with that if Clay Thompson was on any other team he'd be Devin Booker okay he can score he can shoot but unlike Kemba. No, no, Clay Thompson's not breaking dudes down on ISO. Right, right. Nobody. He, he, Clay Thompson is dependent on the right. other talent a- around a- him. Actually, right. So, but now we know that Toronto is not going. They're they're going to hound Steph Curry. They're going to do whatever they got to do. Which makes Draymond's job even that more. And important. that kind of yeah. goes in like I'm I'm looking forward to two story. Well, I'm looking forward to one storyline. The other one, I just kind of want to see how it plays out. But the one I'm looking forward to would be Kawhi versus um, Clay and Kawhi versus Dre. And I don't see Dre um, guarding Kawhi that much, mm-hmm. but I definitely see them getting switched up on each other. But that's, so. I mean, that's a boon for the Warriors. They got two guys that can really straight, like, straight yeah. up defend Kawhi Leonard. One more thing we're not talking about is the bench. Because yeah. I'm going to tell you like this, man. Toronto looks like a different team when their mm-hmm. bench plays. Listen, you know what the secret is? You gotta have kids. Yeah. You gotta, because yeah. ever since Van Fleet had his son. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as soon as Van Fleet had, because like Van Fleet been in the funk. Yeah. And he had his son, I think, last Tuesday. And that dude been hitting everything <laughs> since then, dude. Buckets. Buckets. <laughs> but it comes down to this if you got to depend on guys like Van Fleet to have career games. 
all the time. You're not yeah, going to beat the right, Golden State Warriors right, right. because the go. And you know, there's been this narrative that Golden States they're not as deep as they were in 2015, which yeah. is true. But but the Kevin Durant effect. Yeah, them guys are playing really but, well. I was going to say, man, like the last couple of games with their young guys, yeah. like some something yeah. called McKinney. I've never yeah, heard of yeah. him. <laughs> Quinn Cook. Like these Come guys, like, Looney has been playing. Yeah, like these guys are coming out of now, nowhere, and, man. And, so. and here's, I don't I, honestly, I don't think the bench narrative would be as as emphatic as we're making it out to be because I had Milwaukee in the finals because of their bench because right. they had a deeper bench and they just lost four straight games right and a lot of people actually chalking it up to throwing uh, Brogdon back into the starting lineup even though he had a pretty good playoff series I, let, look man I, I, ooh, I'm so glad you bought Milwaukee <laughs> up that is nothing more than a choke job Milwaukee flat out they essentially got swept Choked. Yeah, they call it the backdoor sweep. Yeah. Back the main reason they got swept, they got outcoached. Man, mm-hmm. Nick Nurse completely outcoached Mike Bootenholzer. Yeah, yeah. Because the first two games, Milwaukee was being Milwaukee. Nick Nurse made uh, one of the biggest adjustments in the series. They walled off Giannis. Yeah, and they, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. dared Bledsoe to shoot. And that changed the whole series. It literally changed the complexion of the entire series in Bootenholzer. Never made an adjustment, man. Yeah, agree. They figured them out. They just figured Milwaukee out. It's, it's that simple. Um, one more thing I want to throw out before we uh, <clears throat> before we move on. Uh, we were talking about the bench earlier. When you look at some of these bench players that have been playing, uh, Van Fleet was undrafted. And uh, Toronto had another uh, key backup. This I can't even think of his name because they got so many. But I'm loving the fact that so many of these second round draft picks and these undrafted free agents um, are making big plays because it it, it goes against the narrative that you can't find talent in the second round. So listen up, Charlotte. Why not? Okay, you can't find talent in the second round, okay? But Charlotte found talent in the second round, so... The last two drafts. The last two drafts. Reputation-wise, we have a bad reputation with finding talent, so I'm glad to see that. But do we? Because when we find it, we trade them for cash. Tobias Harris. But then we bring them back. Bismack? (laughs) I don't don't even want to talk about I'll, well, I'll end the segment on this. We did we did draft well, really well. One time that was Kimball Walker. Yeah. He what, what everyone is forgetting in this conversation, he had a hell of a season. He absolutely deserved to be on an all-NBA NBA team. Career highs and points, rebounds, and assists. Twenty-five point six points per game. That's twelfth in the league. I mean, that's uh, it, it speaks for itself. And what was so, your stat? You've always been throwing out about. I thought so. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, looked at all the first-round draft picks in history. Yeah, five percent of them have made one All-Star game. Four uh, percent have made an All-Star game and an All-NBA team. Only three percent of all first-round draft picks in the lottery era have made multiple All-Star games and an All-NBA team. Kimball Walker's in the 3%. That's rare company air. Yes, very rare air. All right, so let's move on to something more somber. (laughs) (laughs) A section we call back-to-back winning seasons, something the Carolina Panthers have never done in 20-plus years. And the big news right now is Cam Newton was not seen throwing in Team OTAs. Is this a big deal? deal or is it much ado about nothing reminder cam has not thrown at otas in previous seasons uh sometimes he just he's just a glorified um, cheerleader during otas what do you guys think what what what's today what's today today is the 
That's how big of a story this is. Right. That's how big of a story this is. Um, this is absolutely nothing than than the recovery process from his surgery. And and because we drafted a quarterback in the third round, this is going to constantly be a topic until Cam Newton gets out there and he throws for 300 yards per game or he throws four interceptions per game. This is this is nothing. Um, I think because of the platform of our podcast that we got going on, we kind of have to talk about this mm-hmm. or at least acknowledge it. But this is absolutely nothing. Um, it is the story is like five percent bigger than it would be, only because of his shoulder surgery. That no, is, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and and I, again, man, I don't really have a lot to add to that. And and we've seen the Will Greer memes already, where he's yeah. winding up. And it's <laughs> like, people are. I think people are so ready. Fans, yeah, yeah. fans who hate Cam yeah, Newton, they, they are like foaming at the mouth. Like, yes. see, I told you it was more like, <laughs> man, chill out. Man. I, think, yeah. oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, Cam, I think fell on his sword for the team last season because the shoulder injury, it it wasn't a, a, a as bad as they made it seem. Right. I thought, yeah, it affected his throwing, but. The team had bigger problems than that. Yeah, we all knew the defense blew, and I don't think they wanted to come out and say that Washington was the issue. They, Mm -hmm. they, you know, Mm -hmm. how the Panthers organization is—they're very classy. They didn't want that. That's why they didn't fire him. Right. They just demoted him, and then they could say, "Well, hey, you know, Cam's shoulder wasn't good, so that gave us, you know, late in games we were unable to generate offense." It's like we wouldn't have to if the defense could keep. (laughs) You know, people off the field. You know, you got guys in 15 yard cushions in the defense, and the offense just throwing out routes over and over and over again. And which is something the fans see, but you wonder why the defense is all the time. I'll be sitting down here with my wife, and I'm like, out route. Hitch. I, 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 if I know. If you know. Then, if you see it. Then certainly. Then the professionals yeah, should be Exactly. So I, I, think, I think they just said, okay, yeah, hey, Cam's shoulder was injured. And they're kind of carrying that narrative into this season. Because Cam Newton's been in the league eight years. He doesn't really need to throw during OT. Right, right, right. 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 So, right. There's, no, there's no use. Yeah. So, all right. Enough of that. But speaking <laughs> about bigger NFL news, the NFL actually banned – the Oklahoma drill. The Oklahoma drill is uh, a oh, full boy. contact drill right. uh, that mm. was developed in college football by the Oklahoma Sooners, actually, and the NFL decided to get rid of it. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Is this a, a continued shift towards safety, um, or is I, I want to open up by statement by saying, Roger Goodell, go away. <laughs> yes, it's always, yes. dude. You know, man, Roger Goodell has attempted to be, um, I don't know, man, he's attempted to modernize football and quote-unquote make it safe and and all this other stuff, man. But banning an Oklahoma drill on a professional level, it's going a little too far, man. It's going way – and this is one of those moments where I wish we could speak to a professional player just to see – the lunacy in this because mm-hmm. I'm sure if we did a professional athlete would be like why it's useless to get rid of it and furthermore how do you police it how do you police professionals 
not doing the drill? Do you have cameras at practice? And <laughs> right. do you like, how does that work? You well, know what I'm saying? To, to answer that, I saw something in the article I read that basically said that whenever um, minicamp starts, there's actually a sharp increase in concussions in minicamps. And it's been attributed to this drill right here. Now, I'm going to go against the grain here. When I was in high school and I played football, and we did Oklahoma, I did everything in my power to avoid doing that drill. I'm going to be honest, I hated that drill <laughs> for the same reasons that the NFL, that they're at least publicly saying the reason why that they're banning this drill and whatnot, because I never saw the point in it. You know, you put you put one or two people up front, you know, they they they, they hit helmets, and then it, then you got to fight through all those uglies trying to knock out the running man. And I, and, and I was a defensive player in high school. Mm -hmm. So when we did the drill, I always felt like whoever's on defense was always at a disadvantage, no matter how good or how great he was, because that running back, he can, he can he can split those linemen. He can try and juke and go left and go to the right. And no matter what happens, it's always the offense, the, the running back who kind of gets the shine, who gets the praise and all that stuff. So um, I don't have a problem with them doing it. I hope that it kind of trickles down to the other levels. And I know it builds like camaraderie and, you know, gets you hype and all that. But I've seen people like knocked out cold. So <clears throat> this is football. Yeah, I didn't play. Now I didn't play football in high school. Right. I, I did boxing. And actually. me not wanting so, this drill is yeah. probably why I'm not right. playing now. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'll throw that out there. So I think when you, in any contact sport, these guys. And this has always been my thing about the NFL. Mm -hmm. These guys know what's at stake. Right. And if you ask any any player, they wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, think about all the concussions Luke Kuechly has had, and they like literally have to drag him off the field. You know, every time they even think. He has an injury. I don't think the players at a professional level mind the Oklahoma drill all that much. Uh, now, how effective is it? Mm, uh, well, we don't really know. But right. Oklahoma was a successful collegiate football program, and they did the drill, and that's why it kind of permeated upwards to the NFL. And Which has uh, been used for 30 something Yeah, exactly. Years They've been doing it all this time, and I think this is just another – the NFL is scared of lawsuits. Right. They, they you know – the, the settlement they had to pay out has affected the landscape of not just the NFL, but all contacts. Now, you, you have just given me another angle with this story. <laughs> the light bulb just went off as soon as you said that. And, and, it, and this is where I get a little more angry about this. Man, the, the NFL is a $7 billion pot. What are they worried about lawsuits for, right. man? You're going to lose $1 billion and you got six left? <laughs> really, NFL? That, that's the kind of annoying stuff this is why I dislike Roger Goodell so much, man. All commissioners, I guess typically you're supposed to keep owners happy. I guess that's, by definition, that is the commissioner's job. Yeah. But this dude goes too far, in my opinion, man. And, and this is just one of those little annoyances that prove it. Because right, yeah. now that you've mentioned it, that's probably what it's about. Money. Uh -uh, it's yeah. always the bottom line is just greedy people being more greedy. We got $7 billion. I don't want to lose we'll a billion get, we, in the lawsuits. We forget the NFL is a corporation. Yeah, yeah. right. And, uh, and any, yeah, anyone that's worked in corporate yeah, America knows <laughs> that lawsuits are like, you know, the boogeyman of corporate America. Right. No one likes being sued. And, you know, and not not just from a financial standpoint, but, you know, now there's this like this this air around the NFL. They're already dealing with enough stuff as yeah, right, it is. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, now they got to deal with this. And we're starting to see... Uh, you know, a decline in participation in youth football leagues because parents are, 
are you know they're they're afraid and rightfully so but i think you know this is the highest level you mm. know it's something like you know we're gonna ban a drill we're gonna uh you know we're gonna change the kickoff rules we're gonna you know i me personally i will admit the reason i started watching football as a kid was the violence aspect of it i love remember when the nfl used to release them big hits yeah right right, tapes? right. i used to love those and, and right? the, the nfl films music dun, 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 dun. yeah <laughs> that was great i love seeing people yeah. get hit I, I just do yeah, and yeah, now yeah. that that but, aspect is completely gone and it has changed the way we view the game but it, like you said like the NFL is a corporation and it's becoming more corporate. Yeah. 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 I hate corporate stuff. And why does it have to filter into my sports? Like <laughs> if, as a hardcore yeah, sports yeah. guy, I don't want to see corporate and sports mix. It's not the reality, yeah, but yeah. it's, it is what it is, man. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Well, on to our culture segment. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is, uh, uh, a very unique event that happened with a high school track star. Uh, who was being heavily recruited by multiple D1 schools, including uh, Ohio State. Uh, at his reveal ceremony, uh, he actually revealed that he was going to go to a historically black college university, and he, he chose a and And um, I, I think that's great. I think the way he did it is great, but I know that there's some contention. Uh, I'm off that. What do you guys think? Um, it was it was really cool to see it, man. I, the presentation was was really dope. Um, if for those of you who didn't see it, the videos out there, uh, he had three major schools lined up, knocked them all down, opened his jacket, and it said North Carolina Ante. So I, again, the presentation was, was dope, man. But uh, the 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 meat uh, of this topic and, and the heart of the matter is him choosing an HBCU over these prestigious D1 colleges. So the discussion is: Should we and are we going to see more highly recruited athletes go this route? As far as should we see that, I think we should keep it up to these kids to do whatever their heart desires. Now, as a black man and as black people, of course, we want HBCUs profiles raised. We would love to see HBCUs profit off of black athletes like we do the regular D1 schools. I think that that story sounds good in theory, but I don't think it's gonna be the reality going down the road. Now. If it happens, cool, but I know this is a track star we're talking about, but I can't help. The first thing I'm thinking about is more basketball and football yeah, players going to go agreed. this route. And again, just to repeat myself, I just don't see it happening. It would be cool, but I just don't think that would be the reality. And to me, it would have to start with one with, with one athlete who's like the number one, number two guy, and it would have to start a wave for, for that to even mm-hmm. think about happening. You uh, we'll see. you essentially took everything I was gonna say and then said it. But uh, first and foremost, uh, congratulations to the kid yeah. um, on on not going to the school where he had to go, but going to the school where he wanted, wanted to, to go. go. Right. Um, everybody knows I'm a Tar Heel fan. I I hate that other shade of blue, <laughs> but I will never get upset at a kid who chooses to play for their school because. The, the bigger picture here is that he was able to pick whatever school he wanted. Right, and like right. I would I will always appreciate that. On another note, these reveal ceremonies, these um commitment ceremonies, they've gotten a little old <laughs> because it's it's very redundant. Yeah. 
And so big ups to that kid for doing it the way right, he did. Yeah. It was it was classy. It wasn't too flashy. It looked like he had right fun. because it, it, yeah. because it appeared that he had chosen Ohio State right. and everyone cheered. Uh-huh. And then he knocked it down oh, and it was like and oh it, there's a twist. Yeah. <laughs> it was, so I thought that was pretty dope. But was, I will say uh, this: it's a little easier for a track star to make that decision mm-hmm. because a track athlete, a track and field athlete, the school that he chooses isn't going to affect his professional queer career as much as a basketball or football Agreed. player because you're literally talking money. You are literally talking money. If, you, if you're if you a football player, the difference between going to A&T and Ohio State could be millions and you of know, dollars. I, I, I'm, so, I'm glad you brought that up. Me too. So you when it first. comes to these, the two money-making sports, you honestly believe that if a kid goes to an HBCU, as opposed to, uh, we'll go with we'll, we'll go with the D one school. You think he he or she loses out on a significant amount of money? Absolutely. That's the that's the reason why Daniel Jones went number six in the draft, and Dwayne Haskins almost went out of you know the top ten because uh, you know it was it, we look at we look at the competition that they play, and there is this this narrative that HBCUs don't play the same level of competition mm-hmm. at D one schools, mm-hmm. and they're can be some there's some truth to that in a, in a lot of cases right so scouts are gonna say man look at that guy he's good but but who do look who he playing who he's playing against and that's the argument against daniel jones right is like well he went to duke look who he's playing against so and, and i i'm also glad you brought this up too because i it, i think it goes without saying if you're talented and you're good you somebody will find you i don't Agreed. care yeah, where you go to school yeah. if you are good Professional scouts will find you. However, there is a difference between getting picked number ten versus getting picked number one. Oh, now, yeah. if you're mm-hmm. if you're if you're an excellent athlete and you're the guy at John C. Smith, and you don't get picked number one because of that school, that affects your money. You get what I'm saying? And and to your point, that does make a difference. It it shouldn't. It shouldn't, but but it does. It's unfortunate. Like, I, I wish I had a graphic to see exactly where Steve McNair was picked because I guarantee you there's somebody who was picked in front of him oh, yeah. who mm-hmm. didn't deserve to get picked in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Did, uh, uh, would Jerry Rice be a good one? Jerry Rice be what, Jerry oh, Rice? God, he'd be the yeah, best where, example. Where, now, where did he get drafted? I don't, he, I don't think Jerry Rice was a top 10 pick. I don't. I think he was 20-something. I could be wrong. Okay. But to me, perfect example. He He's known... But many people will say he's the greatest football player that ever lived. That's that's an argument for another day. But I guarantee you there's 15 other people that got picked ahead of him only because he went to Mississippi Valley State. We see it all the time in the NBA. I love the Tar I'm a Tar Heels fan, yeah. and I love ACC basketball, but... Come on, how many? I mean, let's let's look at all the guys that come from in the NBA <laughs> that come from power conference right, schools. Right. I mean, we're talking about Kawhi Leonard who went number, you know, fifteen. It matters, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Giannis, he's a overseas guy. He yeah. went, you know, late in the draft, 15, 16, uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it the, the hopefully the narrative that well, hey, if you go to a big school, th- that's all that counts will go away. But I don't, I don't think it will, and that's why we may see some hesitation from, you know. High high name recruits deciding to go to and I don't HBCUs. I don't oblige any of these kids to go to HBCUs. Ultimately, I want them to go to where they feel is the most comfortable. I think at some point down the road, I think we will start seeing a shift because I think too many of us we look in in the now 
But if you look back in the day, especially in football, there were a lot of HBCUs that were that were powerhouses. Right. And now SMC SM, SMU isn't a um, isn't an HBCU, but I think they're like the best example because mm-hmm. they they're they're a small school. Yeah. Think they were like a Methodist college or mm-hmm. something. Yep. And before they got hit with a death penalty, like they were the they, they were yeah, they were they the were, team. They were big team. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I have a firm belief that if you're talented. They're, they're gonna find you. Their 30 for 30 is awesome, by the way. I was just yeah, about yeah, to mention yeah, yeah, that yeah. great 30 for 30. And one, I'll give you guys one prime example. Um, Ed Oliver, uh, D tackle out of Houston. He was the he was a uh, he was a consensus five star recruit. I want to say he was 12 in the nation, um, coming out of high school, and he could have went to any school that he wanted. Texas Tech wanted them. Texas wanted them. All of those. Uh, he really wanted to go to LSU, and he went to Houston. He stayed at home because uh, his reason for I think his older brother was playing there as well. So he stayed there uh, for family reasons. And he became the first ever five-star recruit to go to a non-Power 5 school. Wow. And this year, he just got drafted number 10th overall. Yeah. So I firmly believe that if you do good, they're going to they're yeah, find you. Get fine. And you we could talk about, like, I got plenty of examples, but I think that's the best one, yeah. Ed Oliver. So okay. go with that. Cool. All right. Uh, next up, uh, in local politics, uh, City Council, Charlotte City Council member Winston Braxton uh, had a proposal that he brought to the floor uh, in which he proposed to raise the salary of Charlotte City Council members, and it was actually rejected. Um uh, this was interesting to me because y'all know how I feel about politicians. I think a lot of people, uh, most of us here, feel the same way about politicians. Even though, like, we know Winston. Most people in yeah. Charlotte know him. We know him from, uh, you know, from the culture here mm-hmm. in the city. I, that actually, even from Hornets games. Even, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I that actually surprised me. One that one that he brought the proposal to the floor, and second that it was actually rejected. Right. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Uh, for well, for one, this this is a very confusing topic for me, and I say <laughs> I that the same way. <laughs> I say that because the city council, if however you read the articles and the headlines, the city council rejected the pay raises of the council members. That 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 doesn't that that doesn't resonate with me as much. But I think what's happening is because of what what um, Winston represents. Um, I think that's the biggest reason for the opposition um, I agree. within the city government as well as its its residents. Mm-hmm. And his biggest frustration, he actually has two frustrations. One, he feels like if you're going to represent the city, if you're going to represent the public, you should be able to have the pay that would allow you to do so. Because a lot of those, actually the majority, if not all of those um, council members, they actually have full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Outside of the oh, city what council, they do. because Include, of, including him, exactly yeah, right, right. And and his other frustration is that um, they're only allowed to be on there on the council for two years. Mm-hmm. So your first year as a council member, you're trying to implement your programs, but then you can't because that second year you now got to go back on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the culture that he represents, that's why he's getting so much opposition and. I have my critiques of politicians on all levels, 
But I do believe and support the notion that they should get a pay increase. And I think if he gets the pay increase he wants, I think he'd be getting like 40000 a year, mm-hmm. which is still below minimum yeah, wage, which yeah. is still below like whatever they determine you need to like be able to survive. So he's he's not asking for like a six-figure income, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it sucks. I've read some of the uh, back-and-forth conversation as to why they said no, but um, I'll hold off on that and, and I'll let you guys go. Um, I didn't have a problem with it like I thought I originally might have a problem with it. I, I don't just... In Charlotte's economic climate, even we're and we're talking about local government here. I get your money, however you, <laughs> however you see fit, man. And and I don't think you know he was coming across as like some cat, some greedy capitalist. Like yeah, let, okay. let's let's be clear about that. Mm-hmm. Like this is not some person making a hundred thousand that now wants two hundred thousand. You, you get what I'm saying? That to me is why I didn't have a, a problem with it, and especially from from someone like him who has been extremely active in the community, who has been um, who, who has brought some extremely thought provoking ideas to the table with Charlotte City mm-hmm. Council. I didn't have a, a problem with it at all, man. And the thing is, the the more and more I, I read stuff like this, I I firmly believe the more and more people like this need to be supported because I can't say it enough man I just don't think it comes from a place of greed because when I first heard about it without reading it my whenever I hear people say more money the first thought comes on my mind is okay are you being greedy or are you really needing this you know what I mean and greed is not a part of this narrative yeah, and one of the that, uh, so. council members actually commented on um, part of the article that I read and uh, she said something that when she uh, broke down what it is she's getting paid um, she's getting something like uh, 684 an mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. so you got a council member getting paid 684 an hour but you got McDonald's workers workers out protesting for 15 and, and, and one thing I didn't bring up and be, before I knew who Braxton was and I saw him on the council and I was at a Hornets game and I was like that dude that's working the camera looks exactly <laughs> looks a lot like that dude on the city council. And I was like, oh crap, that's the same dude. Like, it shouldn't be like that, man. Hey, like, in theory, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I agree. Why, why should the city councilman have two jobs? I think man? because it's Winston making this proposal. I'm willing to be like, okay, this is this is noble. And, and I and I yeah. not to cut you off, but no. that was another point I was going to get at as far as who was. Right, yeah. <laughs> was However, for the raid. having right. said that. I don't like the idea of politicians determining their own sustainability. Uh-huh. That Agreed. is that is Agreed. for us to decide yeah, because point. the Charlotte City Council, not I think Winston has done a great job in his time, but as a whole, they've been kind of wishy-washy they, on, right, on, right. on and, certain and they, issues. And they don't look like they've been insane. No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. So it's like it's like no, it's up for me to deserve. If that be like you know, if I if, if I went to my job and was like, all right, guys. I need you guys to vote on me getting paid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, the door's yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and so and, and politicians are no different. So I think we as a city, we need to find, uh, there has to be a different route to make sure that our city council members have the time and resources to do the things that we want them to do. Agreed. And the things that, that they want to do. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot there's a big activist community here in Charlotte that's one of the things that, that we need to do mm-hmm. and it's hard for me because I don't have a lot of faith in politicians I, I like to give Agreed. Winston the, yeah. the, the benefit of the doubt right. because of who he is right. I'm hoping he can kind of change that narrative but 
uh, I'm always gonna be always gonna be leery. But however, having said that, I do understand that. You know they don't have the time and the resources to be able to make a lot of the changes that, that we need yeah. them to make. Yeah. So. And, it, and it's almost like whoever created these rules, you can only be here for two years, or you can, and, and you're only going to get paid this amount. It's almost like they said, okay, that we're being forced to create a city council. We kind of have to do this, right. so we're going to make one, but we're going to make it so hard for you to right. do your job effectively. Right. Well, it's it's designed so that rich capitalists are the only people that could possibly yeah. do these jobs, right. exactly. and, and now exactly. that's changing. We're seeing that all over the country and on every level of government where we're seeing more grassroots efforts to get regular people into government right. and they're finding like like man because i'm not a millionaire i i can't do this right. full time so and you know it sucks it shouldn't even be like that because uh trayvon martin his mom is now running for a city council a lot of the the newer people that are getting into politics they're getting into politics because they had a family member get killed or they they their kid got deported and now they ha- or 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 some extreme reason mm-hmm. why and I just think it sucks that the public we're we're having to deviate away from what we want to do right. because because we were touched by uh, the system so to speak and the system isn't helping out and the only way for it to get better is if we actually but that's how step that's what you do I, I tell people yourself. all the time you cannot change. A system by continuing to invest in that same yeah. system, you have to do something different. And what that is is you gotta get you, we got, you gotta get your hands dirty. Yeah. yeah. So you, you know gotta, you gotta start tearing it yeah, down. Yeah. Props so, to those yeah. people who who were activists or, or that went through tragedy and said, you know what, I've got to change this from the inside. Right. And they're they're trying to do it. So no doubt, uh, it is up to us, the citizens, to yeah. try and help and, them and definitely shout outs to them. I'm not I'm not denigrating the work. Mm-hmm. I it just it just sucks that it oh yeah no that, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah it takes that tragedy yeah. for you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Yep. So, so continuing to talk about Charlotte, uh, a new report just came out that Charlotte is now the 16th largest city in the United States. We were previously the, the 18th largest city as of the last census, so now we are the 16th largest city. We're still the 24th largest metropolitan area, but that is changing because that report also said that the surrounding cities and our metro area are growing at a higher rate yeah. than Charlotte. And I, I know why that probably is, but what do you guys think about um, Charlotte growing. Um, it, I, it's a mixed bag for me um, because you know we we see all these reports about Charlotte growing and doing this and doing that. And there's an interesting story that ties into this, man. <laughs> so I'm driving Lyft over the weekend, and I actually get a person who is from Charlotte in, in the car, which is rare. Not only was the guy from Charlotte, but we went to high school together, we found out. So we was like, oh man, you went to West Charlotte. Oh yeah, you went to West Charlotte, okay. So this person in the car is telling me about his economic struggle and how it's hard to find a job that pays decent money and he can't stick anywhere because they keep offering low paying jobs. So the point I'm trying to make is all this growth, but why aren't people from Charlotte benefiting from yeah. it? I, Man, I've mentioned this report at nauseum about the economic mobility yep. about people from here, and I can it, I just cannot stop thinking about that every time these type of reports come up. And I try not to be conspiracy theorists. I don't like conspiracy theories, but at the same time, me and the guy mentioned the fact that it's just it's like, is it done by design to keep people from Charlotte 
down? <laughs> like, why is it so easy for transplants to find these jobs that we're coveting and they get them so easily and they're benefiting from it, but the people from Charlotte are not? Yeah. I know too many people like this gentleman I spoke with. So I can't help but to think about that stuff when it comes to the growth and, yeah. and all this, I'm gonna, you know. I'm going to piss you guys off, okay? But before I piss you guys <laughs> off, I'm going to throw this nugget. I'm going to throw this quick nugget out there. Um, <clears throat> what I get from this article, being a real estate agent, is that those those outlining cities that are growing at a faster rate, if you have the ability to go buy some property, go buy some property. Absolutely. Because when that development hits that area and all these investors and development developers want to come and buy, you're going to be able to sell it for top dollar. Now I'm going to piss you guys off. When I see Fort Mill and Rock Hill and those other areas growing faster than Charlotte, do you know what that tells me? Hmm. In a couple years, we'll be driving to the North Carolina, South Carolina border to go to Panthers games. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> so, hey, it, it's gonna I, happen. So, that could happen. That's as far as the Panthers would move because you do not want to stay. Here's the thing about Charlotte. Charlotte is, Charlotte is the 16th largest city uh, in population. So mm. unlike Atlanta, Atlanta has a larger metro, metro area, area, but it's spread out. Yeah. Charlotte has, you know, almost a million people all within a very small. small so, so even though the metro areas are, are growing faster, the, the concentration of people is still in Charlotte proper. So it's going to be a very long time before, you know, uh, they, they, if they ever decided to, to move the Panthers away from. Well, and the, here, here's my justification. Now, um, Charlotte proper as, as it's put, because it's already so condensed, there's only a matter of time before that population growth kind of like plateaus. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I live in uh, Murfreesboro, which is right outside of uh, Nashville, a couple years. And what happened was when the Titans came to Nashville, even though it's, it's been about 20 years now, yeah, 20 years, they're still seeing growth in the, out, in the outer counties away from Davidson County. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when this population growth starts to plateau and the Panthers move to the border, even though it's only a few miles further south, when they move to that border, the, the, you're going to have that same effect. You're going to get all those businesses and all oh, those absolutely. condos, yeah. and then it's going to affect... Well, I mean, look at, look at downtown Charlotte. Yeah, right, I mean, right. you, I, you don't remember what yeah. it was like before they built uh, what was then Erickson Stadium. Right. But, I mean, that part of town was... It was you, did, you didn't want to walk there yeah. at night. No, and it was I mean, and now, try, try and live... Uh, you know, two blocks from the stadium now. You for, know. for less than fifteen hundred. Right, yeah. yeah. So you know, I you know, I I could see that yeah. eventually. Uh, but I think that one of the biggest reasons that to speak on Jamal's point about why people from Charlotte don't seem to have the same economic stability as transplants is because the businesses and corporations that are coming here are transplant uh, businesses. So the company yeah. I work for, which I will not name though, but they are <laughs> they are a transplant company. They are originally from the north, and when they allow people to relocate here, they built yeah. a new headquarters there, they let them keep their salaries. So 
everyone knows that if you live up north, yeah, right, you're, right. you're going to make more money because it costs more right. to live up there. Right. So then those people said, why not? So they come down here, they pay less property taxes, um, you know, and they, they get, get to keep their their, know, their, their northern salary, salaries. So they're getting way more bang for their buck. Exactly. Yeah. And those are the people that are uh, building the economic infrastructure of Charlotte right. now. And it, and it kind of freezes out people who are from Charlotte and don't have that same salary base because they've never left Charlotte. Right. You know, uh, one of the things that if for those of you who work in corporate America, you guys know salary base is very, very important. If you establish a salary base and you go somewhere else, they're not going to want to pay you less than whatever your salary base is. Right. So a lot of times it makes, makes sense, sense actually to go somewhere else, establish a higher salary base and then come back to the city and then work for, you know, uh, a corporation makes sense uh, here right. it, but like we've talked about before this is the price of progress yeah uh yeah you know i understand you know we want we want charlotte to be a world-class city but that's a double-edged sword we've got to deal with the things like you spoke uh, on and gentrification which in itself is a double-edged sword higher crime rate higher yeah, yeah. higher high crime rate uh you know traffic you know we've got to deal with all those things but if we want charlotte to be a world-class city you gotta take the good with the bad. Exactly. That's yeah. what we're gonna have to have to deal with. So all right. So all right. So now at the end of the show, time to do our shout outs. Our shout outs. So uh How about you first? Me first? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna do an easy one. This is a a uh, Michael Carter Williams layup. I just want to give a shout out to our increased fan base for under construction. Um, yeah. Over the last few weeks, we've seen a very significant increase in participation on our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, so we need you guys to go out there, uh, view the videos on YouTube, check out the podcast on Anchor. Uh, we got a lot of... Carolina Hurricanes fans come in and watching and, and commenting. So, uh, so if this is your first time watching the video, then be a part of the wave. And um, we're always good on feedback. We always want to know what we can do better. We are trying. Trust me, every week I'm gonna show you all behind the scenes <laughs> next week. We yeah. are constantly trying to improve. Uh, you know, from an audio visual uh, standpoint and as far as structure and and just how good we are. So, a shout out to. Our fans, no uh, our new fans that we're gaining, our fans that we'll get in the future, and the fans that have been with us since day one. Thank you very much. All right, good deal. Um, so today is the twenty six. I think twenty six. Fifth or sixth. To- well, at the time of this recording, uh, tomorrow 26. is Memorial Day. So uh, I obviously just wanted to uh, get you know take my hats off to everyone who wore the uniform, who made that ultimate sacrifice, no and. Doubt. No matter who, no matter how you feel about our nation's military, about the wars that we have to fight, uh, these are people who voluntarily, uh, you know, chose to serve, for for lack of better words, and ultimately didn't come home. So, you know, for the families out there who had to bury their loved ones in defense of this country, you know, um, I salute you. Uh, keep pushing on. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um random shout outs mine are all over the place today uh first shout out goes to my yard man lenny brown uh the reason i'm giving him a shout out because the last thing he said to me before he got back in his truck was hey man i really enjoy your guys show i'm starting to watch it do y'all do it every week <laughs> so needless to say man that translate to what what uh what kaiser uh you know mentioned about our fans and our the increasing fan base um, I just want to tell everybody who's watching this one, like, we are 
thoroughly loving this. We were thoroughly enjoying this. Doesn't take much to get us up to go do this every every week, man. So we do it for y'all, and we 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 absolutely love it. Um, second shout out goes to the Sukasa crew, Jay Ziatic, uh, DJ Justice, uh, uh, Q and, and Q and Q's band. Uh, great event last night. Um, I think that's it, man. So one last shout out. Yeah, I want to shout out Rodney. Yeah, shout um, out Rodney. Don't come back to Charlotte <laughs> without that Falcons playbook, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, don't really need the Hawks playbook. Yeah, uh, anything else you should bring back? Um, bring back a picture of you sticking both of your middle fingers up <laughs> at yeah. the uh, Georgia Dome or whatever they, the Mercedes Benz Dome. That'll be pretty dope, man. Okay. All right, and uh. I think that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Oh, thank you for watching. Join us next week, and uh, we'll see you then. All right. Appreciate it, y'all. All right.